This has been extremely ruthlessly strategic and in, and like on purpose. I would love to say that like, oh, I'm just a natural and I fell backwards into, you know, growing an audience, but like that's just that's just not true. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. In this episode, I'm joined by Aaron Francis, who is currently an educator at Planet Scale. But you would have seen him all around the internet doing courses, YouTube videos, podcasts, and more. Notably, Aaron was a founding member of the Hammerstone team, but he's recently left that to focus his energy on doing something he loves. Most recently, Aaron has launched Screencasting.com, a course teaching you how to make better screencasts. I want to take a quick moment to thank my long-term IndieByte sponsor, Email Octopus, and tell you a little bit about them. Email Octopus are an indie email marketing platform built to support other small growing businesses like yours. They are focused on affordability and ease of use, which is perfect when you are starting out as a bootstrapper. Email Octopus contains all of the features you need to reach and grow your audience, and you can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. To try Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this episode with Aaron Francis. Aaron, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What an intro. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. I've seen you all around the internet doing all different things, but I've just learned that you weren't a software developer before this. Where did you get your start out in life and how did you then switch over to this online world? Yeah, I came through a little bit of a circuitous path. I was a CPA. I was an accountant for the first year of my career. So I got my master's in accounting and spent one year doing it and was like, this is terrible. I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to do this. And I'm one of those, uh, one of those guys that have been like, I was a, you know, programming as a kid and then went to college and was like, ah, I'm not going to be a programmer. I'm going to be an accountant. And then I was like, no, I'm going to be a programmer. So I left the accounting firm and got back into software development and have been there ever since. How did you teach yourself software engineering? Honestly, by reading books. There used to be a site called HTML Goodies, and that's where I first learned HTML. But then the first programming book I ever bought was ASP.NET Unleashed. And that was like way back in the day. And that was right before I moved on to PHP. And I just read books. And that has that has served me up until this day because I still don't have a CS degree. Do you think that's still a viable way to learn something through books? Because we've got so much of the internet available to learn stuff free, paid for. Of course, yep. you're doing a lot of this stuff now. Do you reckon you still yep. do it through books? Um, yeah, I mean, coming from a guy who has a video course, it sounds weird to say that learning through books. But yeah, absolutely. I think So I think there's a, a foundation that a book can lay that you can then build on top of. Because a book has been thoroughly researched, has been technically edited, and has been approved by somebody who put their name on the line. Like O'Reilly says, yes, this book is correct. And so reading a book can like lay the foundation that then blog posts and tweets and video courses, everything can build on top of, but there's no substitute for like laying down a good foundation if you don't have one, which, you know, I I haven't. Definitely. I want to talk about what I feel like you have done really well over the years, which is audience building. And -hmm. I think this is something that I think a lot of indie hackers struggle with. They know they sort of want to do, they can sort of see the benefit of it but struggle to actually put it into practice. And I feel like everywhere you've been, you've managed to sort of embed yourself in the community, publishing your work. Is this something you've intentionally done? And what are some tips for audience building in whatever niche you're in? 
Yeah, this has been extremely ruthlessly strategic and in, and like on purpose. I would love to say that like, oh, I'm just a natural and I fell backwards into, you know, growing an audience, but like that's just that's just not true. One of my big turning points was when I realized that like the reason I wasn't putting myself out there and not sharing anything that I was working on was because I was afraid of like people laughing at me or like making fun of me. And I I held that up against like what am I going to look back on when I'm 75? Am I going to look back and say, like, I'm so glad, young Aaron, that you protected your ego? Or am I going to look back and say, like, man, I just wish you had put yourself out there a little bit more. And, like, if strangers laughed at you, what does it matter? And that was a big turning point for me to realize, like, I'm not super going to care in the future if I was embarrassed for a little bit. I am going to care if I feel like you kind of squandered what could have been a wonderful opportunity or a great life. And so from that point on, it was like, all right, well, I'm not held back by fear. And now I got to figure out what am I going to do? And I, I have a point of view on like being online publicly. And my point of view on that is you should be 100% like authentic and share as much as you can about what you're actually working on and what you actually are thinking. If you're working on stuff, if you're building projects, if you're writing code, if you're designing, if you're creating videos, just talk about what you're doing. People want to know, like people want to be brought along in that story and people want to see you as a real person. And if you put yourself on a stage and start preaching at people, they're going to be like, oh, this guy's trying to build an audience. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. Now, you've sort of done all of the content that you could do. You've done podcasts, guesting on podcasts, talks, writing, Twitter, YouTube videos, which are a ton of work. Is mm. there any one channel that you feel has a higher payoff for the amount of work that goes into it? Yeah, I think there are different types of payoff. I think hosting a podcast is a way to deepen a connection with an audience. I don't think hosting a podcast is like a long running podcast where it's just you and a friend. Like, I don't think that's a way to grow an audience very quickly. You can grow an audience. Doing a show like this is a way to grow an audience. So like you bringing on guests every week, that's a way to grow an audience. But hosting one where you're just like talking about what's going on in your life, that's a way to deepen a connection. Doing YouTube videos, if you can crack the code, gives you distribution unlike anything I have ever seen before. You can have a YouTube video and the algorithm can decide 60 days later, all right, it's time to shine. And it just, like, it goes insane. And so I think the payoff in terms of, like, audience growth on a YouTube platform is really high. And then I think the, like, the cost of tweeting is so so low that the returns are almost infinite no matter what the payoff is. And so I think like Twitter to me is a game that is free to play and the outcome is almost 100% random and the upside is potentially huge. And so like if you imagine it, you walk into a casino and they're like, it's free to play, the outcome is random and you may win a million dollars. What's your strategy? Just play more. Just play as much as you can. And so that's kind of how I think about Twitter is I am going to be 100% honest, sincere, and transparent on Twitter. 
And I am just going to tweet everything I'm working on, everything I think is interesting, everything that I think will be valuable and have no idea what's going to happen. But you may win a million dollars. What a wonderful way to explain all the different channels that you could do. Now, you do sort of everything across the board, which is a lot of time and effort, Aaron. How do you make time for all of it, working full time, doing Mm -hmm. side projects, and also being a dad to twins with two more Mm -hmm. on the way? Yeah, twins with twins on the way. I feel lucky because there are a lot of things that I don't do, and there are a lot of things I don't care about. For example, what do most Americans do on Sunday afternoon? They watch NFL football. I do not care. Like, I do not watch sports. I don't play video games. Like, I have decided that certain things in my life are worth sacrificing, like watching a lot of TV. I do like watching TV, actually, but I just don't do a lot of it right now because I'm trying to make my dreams come true. And so instead of, like, watching Suits or whatever show it is, I'm in here recording videos or recording podcasts or writing articles. There are things I'm not sacrificing, which is like time with my kids and my wife. But that is kind of how I have decided to live my life at this point in time is I am on a mission to make something happen. And so there are other things that fall by the wayside. And like, you've always had a job throughout doing your side Mm -hmm. projects, which some of which have been quite successful for you is that something that you feel gives you stability and is something you sort of always want to do is there a point in which you want to build a side project something where you don't have to work that job anymore yeah i mean i think my dream is to to be independent at some point i think there are risks that i could take to get there right now that i'm just not willing i'm not willing to put my family through and so that's again where it comes down like what am i willing to sacrifice as far as my comfort goes i'm willing to sacrifice a whole whole lot as far as my family's comfort i'm willing to sacrifice very very little and so i'm stuck at this point where it's like i can give up whatever i can give up but that does not include a full-time job with healthcare. Before we get into the current, I just want to talk about Hammerstone and you recently deciding to end that partnership, Mm -hmm. which I think is quite a brave, big thing to do as it was such a big part of your life. Talk to me about why, after the time and effort you went into growing that, you decided Mm -hmm. to walk away. Yeah, so Hammerstone was a project that I was working on with my partner, Colleen, for many, many years. And recently, I have decided that it is no longer the right thing for me to be working on. And Colleen and I are still super close friends and on great terms. So we got to the point, so it's a soft, it's a SaaS company. And we had been working on it for a few years. And we had gone through this stage of like, oh, we're primarily a consulting company instead of just pure SaaS. And then we dropped the consultancy and we're like, okay, now we're just pure SaaS. And then we pivoted from our product to a new product. And it just got to the point where I started to think like, I'm not sure that this is right for my stage in life with the, you know, current twins and twins on the way. And I've spent a lot of time and energy on this particular idea. And I feel like I've reached the end of the line on my energy for this idea. And so before we, you know, launch and get it in the hands of customers who put it in their application and then are relying on us, 
we had a real like come to Jesus moment of, hey, are we going to keep doing this? And my answer was, I don't think this is right for the next stage of my life. And so, yeah, we just decided I'm I'm not going to be working on that anymore, which is which is really hard, but also feels very freeing. Feels like the further I got from that decision, the better I felt, which is always an indication to me that like that was the right decision. Yeah. It was just really hard to make. Well, give you for like coming at it so pragmatically and i was saying just before we started recording i like the way you approach things your projects your life your jobs that if something isn't quite working out you'll figure out a way to move on from it or try something different and i really respect that so Aaron, let's move on to the present you've just launched a new course screencasting.com First of all, great domain. That immediately stood out to me. Where did you get that domain? <laughs> um, that was surprisingly available as like a GoDaddy instant auction purchase. And so <laughs> I was looking around. I was like, should I do like better developer screencasts or like screencasts for developers? And I saw screencasting.com and it was just available for purchase. It was not cheap. It was, you know, $5,000. But oh, yeah. I thought okay, this gives me like the gravitas and the official feeling. And so I just, I just bought it. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about what's involved in this course and mm -hmm. why you felt compelled to make content about a course about screencasting and creating these lovely videos. So I did my first screencasting course. I was actually taking the accounting stuff that I tutored and I put it all in video form and it's still to this day, you know, tutoring sophomores at Texas A&M. And then I did like a, a Laravel course. And then I did this big MySQL course for PlanetScale. And after I did that course, I got a lot of people asking me on Twitter, like, hey, how did you do that? Like, how did you do these recordings? Mm. These are really high quality. How did you do this part? How do you think about that? And this is the, like maybe one of the first times I've noticed the market in air quotes speaking and being like, I want you to teach me how to do this and I will pay you for it. And so at that point I thought, wait, I have a skill that people are literally asking me to like create content about and they will pay me. It's something that I feel really confident in and it's medium that I know and love. And it just kind of evolved out of that. So it was one of those weird moments where I thought, People are telling me what they would pay me for. I should do it. And it like it was true. It worked. And how's the launch gone? It's gone really well. Yeah. So I did the launch maybe two weeks ago. And I haven't shared public numbers anywhere, but it's it's gone it's gone very well. I'm I'm very happy with it. It met my expectations for sure. And the good thing about a course like this is it it's evergreen. Like it's, it's not going to go away. And so I'm continuing to pour time and energy into marketing it and adding more videos. And there's a whole section um, of teardowns where people send me their screencasts and I review them and like mark them up on How's screen that? and that stuff's kind of fun. And so I'm continuing to do more of those. And so my hope is that it just kind of levels out to a reasonable amount of income every month. And I can continue to push the marketing boulder a little bit, but it will be a long-term asset for me. Well, Aaron, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom on content, audience building, and just general life as an indie founder. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker. 
So the book I would recommend is any technical book in your field of expertise. Just pick up any pick up any textbook like thing in your field of expertise, and you will immediately become the smartest person in the room. And you don't even have to tell them you read the book; you can just tell them you got smart overnight. The podcast that I would recommend is No Plans to Merge. It is supposedly a Laravel podcast, but really it's a life philosophy and comedy podcast with a little bit of Laravel mixed in. So that one's No Plans to Merge. And the indie hacker that I would recommend following is Jordan O'Connor. He's, I think... J-D-N-O-C, or James will put it in the show notes. But Jordan O'Connor is the creator of Closet Tools, and he has just got a great indie hacker story and great, great, great Twitter content. Aaron, fantastic recommendations. Appreciate you coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. To show you support for the show, I'd appreciate you checking out our sponsor, Email Octopus. The links are in the show notes, as always. See you in the next episode. Bye.